0: Well, good morning, church. It's great reading the scriptures with you this morning. It's great worshiping our Savior with you. And, and uh, man, uh, deacons, thank you for your service. And, uh, you four new deacons, thank you for stepping forward. And and uh, to your wives, we, we, we're grateful to you. Uh, we recognize that you're giving of your, your husbands um, so that uh, they may serve the church. And I um, just want to say that we. We couldn't do it without our deacons, so we are, we are blessed and thankful. And you know, we are now at the end of a, about a year and a half journey through the book of Romans. If you're a, um, a guest joining us this morning, my name is Pastor Troy, um, super thankful to have you with us. Um, if, if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, would love to chat with you afterwards. Um, but uh, you'll find in your uh, worship guide a, a little piece of paper right here that's kind of a kind of a guide that will help you uh, through uh, the sermon today. And I want to start by just asking, what, what is a doxology? That, that's what we just read together, uh, a doxology, the very end of, of this letter. Well, the word doxology simply means literally a word of glory. And it's an expression of praise to God. And often doxologies reference God's wise and infinite nature. Uh, consider this doxology in, in Timothy, 1 Timothy 1.17. And I have to just read this in the King James here. It says, Now unto the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be glory and honor forever and ever. Amen. Now that, now that, Word of glory wasn't at the end. But often you find doxologies at the ending of a letter. So Peter and Paul sometimes use doxologies. Um, some of the Psalms have doxologies as well. And um, in this doxology, what we see here is a recap of key themes uh, that, that we find in the actual letter uh, 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 that Paul wrote to the Roman church. Now, now good teachers will often tell you at the beginning, before they actually teach something, they kind of tell you what they're going to teach. And then they, they teach it, and then at the very end, they, they tell you what they taught, right? So that you can remember um, something, hopefully. And that's what Paul does here. So I want you to just notice here real quick uh, the similarities in the doxology, that the ending or the conclusion of this, of this very long masterpiece of a letter, to the introduction and so I've printed both out in, your, in the front of your worship guide here to make it a little easier so you don't have to flip back and forth. But the, there's a number of similarities in the very first five verses of, of this letter to the, the last three verses of this letter. Um, and and let's, just read, let's just read them again. Uh, let, me, let me just read verses 1 through 5. I've, to help you uh, bold, put in boldface some of the similarities and, and, and then we'll kind of look through some of them together. to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. All right. So having remembered that, let's read again our doxology here. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations— According to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith, to the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, some of these similarities, there's actually a chart. If you have an ESV study Bible, if you go back to chapter 1 of Romans, look at the bottom of the page, and you'll see a similar list here. And that's just a way that you can kind of remember uh, some of these. But but first we see the gospel in both verse 1 and in verse 25 of our doxology here. Paul, a servant of Christ, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. Right? Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel. So the gospel is just central to the book of Romans. And and it's all about Christ. We see in verse 3 in the introduction, the Son. We We see that this is all about His son, the son of God, the descendant of David. And in verse 25 we see in the doxology, we see Christ Jesus, according to the preaching of Jesus Christ. We also see a reference to the scriptures. Through his prophets in the holy scriptures, verse 2, and then verse 26 of our doxology, he refers to the prophetic writings. And we see the end, that the purpose of the gospel is to bring obedience of faith among the nations. We see that in the introduction, verse 5. And we see that in verse 26. And we see that all of this is to the end of the glory of God. That, that's the end of mankind. That's the purpose. That's our purpose statement in life. Um, we see this subscription to the glory of God in the introduction. For the sake of his name. And then here we see the very ending of the letter, Verse 27. The only wise God, to the only wise God, be glory forever. So that, that was just a, a sampling of, of these key themes that we see throughout Romans, that we see both in the, the introduction and now in our doxology. And before we look a little deeper at several of these themes, I, I just want to um, say that you know sometimes we might confuse a benediction with a doxology. So a benediction is a, a blessing to people. And, and some, some of Paul's letters end with benedictions. In fact, we have a benediction at the end of chapter 15. If you look at 15, verse 33, Paul writes, May the God of peace be with you all. So that's a benediction. That's a blessing. And, it, and it's a good thing to pray blessings uh, over one another. Uh, parents, I hope that you bless your children. When you put them down to sleep at night, maybe you pray for them. Uh, pray a blessing over your children. There, there's power in that. But a doxology is a blessing as well, but it's a blessing to God. Right? An description of praise to God. And that is just fitting for the end of a book or a letter that is all about God. The, the actual word God is, appears 153 times In these 16 chapters of Romans this is a God-centered book and a a God-centered life is a blessed life you know a self-centered life is not Um, self-centered people are miserable in the end right it leads you know looking in the mirror too long just leads to misery so maybe you're feeling miserable this morning Let me encourage you, as we go through this message here, look up. Look up and consider how worthy God is of your affections, of your heart. And and so Paul ends with a blessing to God, but it's also a blessing for us. I see a blessing in this doxology. And, And so that's really the first point here, in which Paul says, glory to God who strengthens us. That's that's a blessing for us. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. I don't know about you this morning. Maybe you need to be strengthened. Maybe you need some strengthening training. I know that I do. I need his strengthening. And so the same word strengthen that's used for strengthen here that same Greek word is the the word that is used in the book of Acts when, when Paul and Barnabas go back and visit the churches that they planted to strengthen them okay and, and and we see several different places throughout Acts where Paul is God is using him to strengthen people and and souls and churches that's the same word that we have here uh, in Acts 15 verse 21 we read that when they had preached the gospel to that city, and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith. That, that same word for strengthen is, is, it could also be translated establish. So, so Paul writes to the church, uh, to the Colossians, to the church at Colossae. He says, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So, this word established or, or strengthened, the, the actual root uh, is a Greek word, sterizo. It's kind of a scary word, maybe. You know, it doesn't mean sterilized, it actually means prop, right? So, it's like to prop something up. That's the meaning of. The word, the root meaning. So when you think about like the Lord will keep you from falling. Or the Lord will make you stand. That's the meaning of sterizo. And so that's kind of the imagery we see throughout the Bible. I think of like Psalm 121. Where, where we read that the Lord, Yahweh God, is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. That's kind of like maybe your pilot we have some pilots in the room and you have a wingman, right? The wingman's job is to protect you, right? Or maybe some of you have been in combat and you've had a right-hand man who's got your back. Uh, Hopefully all of you who are married know the meaning of that. Um, Your spouse has got your back. Well, that's the idea here. And, And and, and, and the Lord is the one who has our back, according to Psalm 121. And, and then we see some interesting imagery. We don't have time to get into all the roots of it today, but hang on to your questions because in a, in a couple months, uh, as we go through the Psalms, we're going to spend some time going through some Psalms. I hope for us to be able to spend a, a sermon on Psalm 121, and I'll get into some of the etymology and some of the Hebrew background that might help you get some of this. But, but here it says, the sun now shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. I think that's a reference towards God's physical strengthening or or protection of his people and even his mental strengthening, mental protection of of our minds, right? Um, And then it says, the Lord will keep you from evil. He will keep your life. Another, Another way of translating that Hebrew word for life, suke, is soul. He will... Protect your soul. So we see here this idea of spiritual strengthening. God keeping us from falling. You know, Psalm one twenty one is a, a psalm of ascent. It was a psalm sung during journeys. So the idea here is, hey, folks are climbing through difficult terrain, climbing rocky hills, right? And, and it's the Lord that's keeping them from stumbling. And so maybe you need spiritual strengthening. Maybe you need physical. And mental strengthening. But, but the greatest of these is spiritual strengthening. And so this concept of, of the Lord strengthening us is, is what Paul meant when he wrote to the Philippians and said, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. In other words, he's going to keep you going. If you stay rooted and dependent on him, he's not going to let you slip away not going to let you fall away. John Stott, he's now with the Lord, wrote this. He said, Paul himself uses the verb in his letters, talking about storizo, in relation to making Christians firm, strong, and stable, whether in their faith against error, in their holiness against temptation, or in their courage against persecution. How does the Lord strengthen us? Well, it's according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. So cling to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Do do you need strength this morning? Do you need strength this coming week for what you're going to face? Well, meditate on Christ. Maybe you're you're stumbling. Maybe there's a besetting sin or a temptation that you're facing. Well, Read, let me encourage you to read the Gospel of John this week and really spend some time thinking about all of those words in red if you have one of those Bibles. If not, pay attention to what Jesus says because he talks a lot in the Gospel of John. There's a lot to meditate on. Are, are you struggling with a tough decision? Maybe you're just not sure whether you're supposed to hang a right or a left or maybe you're between a rock and a hard place. And it just doesn't seem to be a good answer. Well, stop and think after you have read the book of John, what would Jesus do? It's not a cliche. That's a very good question for us to think about all the time. What would my hero Jesus do in this situation? Are you depressed? Well, fill your mind with worship. Start. And that may be hard to do. Because when we're depressed, we're often, we often don't have a gaze that's upward, do we? Right. Um, so start with thanks to God for what you can't, what you know to be thankful for, even if you don't feel it yet. Be thankful. Make that a discipline, and it'll begin to flow into, into worship. So let's glorify God along with Paul, who strengthens us, who makes us. Stand, who keeps us and gives us the assurance that if we're genuinely in Him, He will not allow us to fall. But we also see something that's kind of interesting here in this text, and that is glory to God for His unfolding mystery. There's another interesting word mystery, uh, mysterion in the original language. So Paul continues and says in in the second part of verse 25, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known. Well, what is this mystery that Paul's talking about here? Uh, John Stott describes it. He says it's a truth or a cluster of truths hidden for long ages past, but now revealed. But specifically, what, what is this mystery? You know, when you read the book of Ephesians, a shorter letter that Paul wrote to another church, he uses that word mystery a whole lot. And now here we have at the end of, of Romans, he, he's, talking, he's giving God glory for the unveiling of a mystery. Well, here's my best stab at it for you. Um, for, for ages, that would be for a very long time, the angels wondered, how God would accomplish his plan for planet Earth. Now think about it. Out of all of God's wondrous creation, God created this one speck of dust, right? Out of billions of planets, right? Billions of galaxies with hundreds of millions of planets. I mean, numbers that we can't even ima- you know, imagine. There's this one tiny you know, planet called planet Earth earth and yet we see through the revelation of scripture that this is a very special place and of course the more we look at telescopes and 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 look at other places we realize how special and beautiful this particular planet really is but what makes this planet so special because we have no idea what all is out there i mean maybe there's other planets that are more geographically or geologically interesting than earth we don't know but what we do know is here on this planet God created creatures in his own image. He didn't make angels in his own image. Angels are wondrous beings. In many ways, we might think superior to us in terms of what they can do. And yet he made us in his own image. And so in this sense, we are actually higher than the angels. And he gave human beings free wills. In other words, and what I mean by that, and we could spend a lot of time talking about what does freedom of the will actually mean. Is it libertarian freedom or is it freedom of inclination? But what he did was he gave us the capacity to make decisions, the responsibility to make decisions, and the ability to have a genuine relationship with him. Something that separates us from the animals, and even distinguishes us from unseen angelic creatures. Okay, the ability to have an intimate relationship with him based on love. So this was something that angels were wondrously looking into. And yet what happened on planet Earth? Fairly quickly. These free creatures rebelled against God, their creator, And they didn't just do it once. It wasn't just something that happened in a garden at the very beginning. But it's something that that these free creatures have enjoyed doing throughout history, time and again, spectacularly. Rebelling against their creator. Violently destroying other people made in his image. The strong abusing the weak. Polluting his beautiful planet, earth. And so the angels... Wondered for ages, what is God going to do about this big mess on planet Earth? And of course, we have the whole Old Testament story of, of God revealing himself to a, 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 a small tribe, to, to a, a weak people, right? Not the greatest of the nations, but really the weakest, and, and making them his own and having a covenant with them and delivering them. And yet they rebelled time and again. And so they, there was this mystery like, Man, God has God like decided to stage on this planet his pro, like his providential plan, but how is he going to redeem all that? What is he going to do? And so, you know, it wasn't just the angels that wondered. It was prophets of old, right? Who, who, who had prophets of a come, prophecies of a coming Messiah that they didn't even fully understand, but that were given to them, and that they, that they, that they, but, but it was through a glass darkly. Nobody understood exactly how it would all play out. And so here's what God did. Here's the unfolding of the mystery. God became one of them. He became a finite human being. And he sacrificed himself for them. Now, he did not lay aside his divine nature, but he he laid aside his divine prerogative When he became man, therefore he suffered like we suffer. Therefore, Christ did his miracles by depending on the power of the Holy Spirit. And he faced real temptation and real hardship and real rejection. Such that he died on a cross for us and God rose him from the dead. So Colossians, in Colossians, Paul says, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So the the unfolding of the mystery, the mystery is Jesus Christ and his work of redemption. Pastor Kent Hughes wrote, God has given Jesus to us, Through the virgin birth, through his absolutely perfect earthly life, through his vicarious death for us, through his breaking the bonds of death and ascending to the right hand of the Father, thus the mysterion has been opened to us. We cannot understand everything, for even in eternity the wonder of it will continue to unfold, yet now in time we understand what was in ages past, darkly veiled." Well, the mystery is even deeper. God gave us in his son a savior and, and a Lord to follow, to obey. But he gave us a hero to truly unify around. And we live in a very divided world, and right now, sadly, we live in a very divided nation you know, with a lot of tribalism going on. It's not just you know, Kansas City Chiefs versus Tampa Bay Buccaneers tribalism. Right, It's it's donkeys versus elephants, tribalism. And while we're called to be good citizens and to certainly vote our consciences, I don't follow an elephant or a donkey. I follow a lion, the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is the one who has my heart and my supreme loyalty. And he is a hero that is strong enough to unify people who have different cultural and even political differences if we truly focus our hearts on Him. And that's what the Bible is describing in Ephesians, in which Paul writes, This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promises in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So these, these were people with huge differences from the Jews culturally. Politically, and even, even before until the, the full revelation, religiously, because they were actually outside the camp of God before. And so the mystery here, according to, to Paul, is that now his plan has been for all of the nations. And so he writes to Galatians and says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is no neither slave nor free, there is no male or female, for you are all one in Jesus Christ. So no matter what your cultural or ethnic or political or religious background may be, when you come to Jesus, you become part of his tribe. And so we may have different backgrounds. Now we're a fairly homogenous church here, but the church of Jesus Christ has incredibly different backgrounds around the world. And yet we have the unity of, of a hero and a savior who binds us together in a far stronger far stronger bond than anything else that that man has invented. And that is part of this mystery. Paul writes to the Ephesians in chapter 3, verse 9, he writes, And and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God, who created all things, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly place. It's talking about the angelic beings are now seeing the unfolding of God's plan. That, that God has a people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. So there, there, there are Iranians who love Jesus, who have more heart in common with you and me than maybe our next-door neighbors who don't know him. That's the unfolding of the mystery. When Jesus is really Lord and Savior and, and hero, we can worship with, with Africans and, and Asians and 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 people from every background we can you know we may have different languages different different perspectives on all kinds of things and yet if we have Christ we can be unified and so we should glorify God for his mysterious plan this unfolding now of the mystery and the third point here that i see in this text is Glory to God for his plan for the nations themselves. And he continues his thought in the second part of verse 26. Paul writes, To all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. I'll spare you the details, but I spent some time this week kind of looking at the original language and kind of the way this was all, um, um, how the phrases all connect with one another. Uh, this is not actually an easy text to diagram if you, if you try to do that. And actually, usually I prefer the ESV over the NIV, but on this one, I actually kind of think the, ESV, the NIV is a little more clear with the original idea here. So the NIV says, by the command of the eternal God, so that all the Gentiles or all the nations might come to the obedience that comes from faith. So God's ultimate plan has always been the gospel the good news of Christ, as it unfolded throughout the the history of of time and the progress of biblical revelation for all peoples. And yet this was even more of a through a glass darkly, as it were, in the Old Testament. God promised Abraham, in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And when you look at the bloodline of Jesus, there were a, a number of Gentile women in that bloodline of the coming Messiah. And yet, it was simply a foreshadowing in the Old Testament um, to the nation of Israel because they were the chosen people of God. But they were called to be light to the nations. And while it was veiled in the Old Testament, now his plan is clear, and the idea here is you can look back and see, wow, that was a lot clearer than we thought. You know, it might be like uh, you know, a couple, a, a nameless couple in our church that suddenly got engaged and so, you know, some of you ladies were a little more astute, but I got word suddenly they're engaged, and I'm like, I didn't even know they were dating, right? And, and so, boom, these folks are engaged, but then when you look back, you can be like, oh yeah, wait a minute, I, I remember in the, you know, I saw them sitting next to each other, I think, a few weeks ago, right? There are these, these little identity markers, so it's kind of like that, right? In, in the Old Testament, we can look back and see how all of this was pointing to Christ, even though it was a total mystery, To the people during the time that they were going through this unfolding of God's revealing of his plan. Of his mystery. We see at the very beginning of this letter in Romans 1.16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first. And that was his plan. He first revealed himself to the Jews. But also for the Greek... Or the Gentile, what that means is the rest of the nations, right? The vast majority of us in this room. It was also for us. And his goal has always been the obedience of faith. Pastor Hughes wrote this, The Old Testament scriptures can now clearly be seen to teach this truth. And the nations are learning the obedience of faith. This mystery is nothing less than a miracle. God's salvation extends to all races and those who receive it are in Christ and he is in them. Moreover, all Jewish and Gentile believers are brothers and sisters together, together. I've had the honor of being able to experience and see some of the beauty of God's work in a tapestry of cultures. And the more cross-cultural you can get in your experiences with, with other Christians, the more you see the beauty of this mystery. I had the privilege of listening to my sister Azar, who is a Persian dentist, poetically exalting God in her prayers. And I, and I learned from her. The honor of learning from My brother Hekmat, an Afghan brother, dear friend, who's a Masahi, what that means is he is of the Messiah, a follower of Christ, as he kind of set his jaw and and grit his teeth as he faced threats and persecution from the leadership of the big mosque in his town, And had to decide what was he going to do. Was he going to back down? Was he going to run? Or was he going to keep going? And and take it and follow Jesus at great risk to his family's life. And so though he was a newer Christian than me. He was the teacher. I was the learner. Walking with him through those hard days. I've had the joy of learning from a African big brother in Christ named Arnaldo. This man had a 10th grade education and yet was a trained surgeon. Had been mentored in surgery by a general surgeon such that he was licensed to perform a number of surgical operations on his own in a hospital in Mozambique. Um, My mentor, Dr. Charles, says that he could be a vascular surgeon here. He was so talented. But he was also a skillful Expositor of God's word. I remember listening to him. My Portuguese wasn't perfect, but listening to him preach in Portuguese and learning God's word from his preaching, but even more, learning about my Savior Jesus from his example. Every night he would read the Bible to his wife, who was not a Christian, she was a Muslim, and she would turn and face the wall so she could keep up the the honor of her family, her Islamic family, but he knew she was listening still every night for years he read the Bible to her I remember learning from my brother Basilio Dignadisi in the Philippines as we were huffing it up jungle mountains in Mindanao trying to get to the gospel to the next village and Basilio would look over me at me and I was worried that he was going to have a heart attack to be honest he had a very bad diet he absolutely loved uh, to eat pig fat And I actually, my dad actually sent me heart medicine that we had him on because he nearly had several heart attacks as we were hiking through these mountains. And uh, there was a time when he was laying under a a tree and I thought that was it, Uh, we're gonna lose him. And he got back up on his feet and kept hiking eventually. But Basilio would look at me and he would say, Troy, buddy, we evangelists. Where he leads, we will follow. What he feeds, we will swallow. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. And, you know, we ate all kinds of stuff together. But his heart for the gospel, I was learning from this. Man. And so let's give glory to God for his plan for the nations. Let's give glory for God for his plan for the nations. And let's have his heart for the nations, both around the world, the unreached, and also those from other ethnic groups that are right here in our own country, in our own community. Let's seek to love them. Let's seek to reach them. Let's seek to, to maybe even prioritize them so that they may too may know of Christ. And for those who do, let's seek to learn from them because they are jewels in this crown. They are beautiful parts of this amazing tapestry that God is weaving. So finally, let's give glory to God for his eternal wisdom. And that's what we see in the very last verse here of this Doxology, verse 27, we see that the end of the letter is just praise to God for his wisdom. Verse 27, to the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, I want you to stop and think about heaven. What I mean is I want you to stop and think about your future. What, what are we going to be doing anyway forever? Well, there's plenty that we don't know, um, but there's plenty that we do, and and central to all that we're going to be doing is worshiping God forever. So I want you to think about the concept of perpetual praise to God. Does that sound boring to you? You know, maybe you love eating mint chocolate chip ice cream and you love it, right? But would you really want to eat mint chocolate chip ice cream? and nothing else forever? I mean, there's the law of diminishing returns, right? Well, does that does that work when it comes to praising God, glorifying God? Maybe, subconsciously, if we're honest with ourselves, maybe it does seem that way. Like, hey, isn't too much of a good thing no longer a good thing? You know, might I want to take a break? Go do something else? Well, I want you to think about this. Um, think about... The, the perpetual discovery about God's wisdom forever. We, we have some intrepid souls in this room. Uh, I think maybe more than, more than we know. We all enjoy discovery, right? I mean, that's what fuels, fueled the explorers of old. Do you think, for those of you who like to travel, do you think you could ever get bored in your lifetime with traveling the earth? Do you think there's enough places to have on a bucket list, list on this planet to stay engaged in terms of discovery forever? I, I think so. Okay. For, for those of you who are more scientific, is there enough scientific knowledge to study for, forever? Whether you're looking through a telescope or whether you're looking through a microscope, right, at human cells, is there enough to, to, to learn for a lifetime? Well, absolutely, right? Uh, how about, i got to be careful here. Uh, certainly there's no perfect dude, but maybe for a, an amazing lady. Maybe you're in love with an amazing lady. Would you like to get to know her and discover her for the rest of your life? Would that be interesting? I just saw a couple ladies look at their husbands just now. <laughs> well, the, truth, the answer to these questions is no. Imagine exploring the universe something that is so big, we we wonder, is it just infinite? It is so big. We can't imagine getting to the end of it. Well, I don't necessarily think that the universe is infinite, but I know that the one who made it is. And these wonders that he has made reflect him. And so the answer is no. You know, I believe that That for eternity, um, after 100 billion years of worshiping God, part of that is is discovering God. You'd have to hold me back. You'd have to drag me away because there's nothing more interesting or amazing or worthwhile or beautiful than the God who is behind all of the beauty and the wonder that he has made. That the creator is always greater than the created thing that we are so drawn to but this earth is central to God's plan for all the universe. Here is where he is reconciling and where he is uniting creatures made in his image with himself and with each other. So for eternity while we're going to be learning more about God and all the other wonders that he has made that we can't even imagine right now, right? Uh, and all the amazing things that we may be that we're going to be doing that we can't even imagine right now. We will also be looking back and marveling on his work here on planet earth in hearts of human beings in building his church. We'll be marveling about that more than we do now. But we should right now specifically marvel at his wisdom through Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1, 7 through 10 says, praise right now for his work right now on our planet and in our hearts and that's this we are part of something big it is something bigger than us let's pray heavenly father i pray that you would tune our hearts to truly praise you as we prepare our hearts for a time of communion, a time in which we unite in spirit with Christ and with his people, our sisters and our brothers throughout the people groups of the earth. I pray that you would give us a vision of Christ. I pray that if there's sin that we have yet to confess this morning, that you would reveal that to us and that right now as we sing this song of preparation, that we would confess our sins to Christ because he gave himself as a propitiation for our sins. Lord, give us a, a heart for you that would eclipse all else and that would minimize all of the troubles and the worries that we have right now. Lord, I pray that you would make your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.